Spags, week 17 is upon us. Week 16 in the books. The season, it's winding down, my friend. Is he saying in the books because of our pal Ian Book debuting tonight, Monday Night Football? Pete already thriving in the pun world. We are going to talk about everything for week 16, recapping all the important fantasy information. We're also going to talk a little bit about our Christmases. I have some findings in the virtual reality world that I want to introduce to Pete. And also, we are going to do Monday Night Football, an underdog playoff best ball draft. So much, Pete. So let's hit that intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spags, joined by your friend of mine, Peter Overzet. Pete, how is your Christmas? Let's start there. Uh, Christmas was good. I, I love that it fell on Friday and Saturday, which is generally my my chill part of the week, as you know, for uh, for fantasy football content. So it was nice to be able to take some time off and uh, enjoy that. Got to hang out with the in-laws and uh, I have a new nephew. Uh, he's like three months old now. So that kind of is the fun new addition to our family get together. So yeah, enjoyed some, uh, some family time. Did he have that good new baby smell? I hear that's a thing that my, my girlfriend in particular is looking forward to of our baby in March. You know what? It's funny because uh, I have awful sense of smell. I just am like always permanently congested. So I don't pick up on the finer things in life. Sometimes that's to my benefit. But to answer your question, no, I didn't notice any nice new baby smells. That's one of the vibes out there. That new car smells, I hear the two big ones. So I don't know. I'm looking forward to sniffing some babies coming up <laughs> in the not so distant future. And if you're around any babies and uh, assuming you're safe and not passing germs to them, feel free to sniff away and report back to us here at Splash Play. But let's get the plugs out of the way. First of all, go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Uh, they're still doing the deal on there, 99 cents a week for a year package on the on the site. You're getting DVOA, defense versus receiver, lots of great stats, in addition to premium articles and content, and a lot more to come down the stretch, even in the offseason. So go footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe and 99 cents a week on there. And also make sure you are liking this video, subscribe to the Pete channel and subscribe to the splash play channel. Check it all out. And here's, I'm going to segue over Pete, because we're going to get into our week 16 recap. There's a lot to talk about there, but I did get an Oculus headset from my, my lovely girlfriend's family, my soon to be in-laws. Um, very generous with gifts. Also got me this 24 inch monitor back here. Could have got a little bigger, which I didn't realize. Should have probably measured and, and known for sure. But either way, that's part of the background now. So shout out to them for improving my studio bit by bit. But Pete, have you played along at all? I know you're into the NFT world, and I feel like the NFT slash metaverse world kind of goes hand in hand in some ways. Have you dabbled at all in virtual reality? No, and this is embarrassing because I literally have an Oculus uh, up here uh, that I've never, uh, I opened it up just to look at it, but I have not set it up. I have not tried it. Am I missing out? So it is, I would say mind blowing. I think I got the quest too. So that's, I think a little bit less power than the rift two or whatever that is. Uh, but if you hook it up, if you have like a streaming PC, like I have, you can basically do the same things. Um, like play the Rick and Morty game, which I spent entirely too much doing yesterday, but basically like even YouTube is in VR and you end up just watching the stuff that you would never watch normally. Like I was watching some YouTube trick shot channel just because they had a, like a VR video. So you could see like the 180 view all around you. And it's just so immersive in a way that I think that there's an angle and I, I shouldn't give this away, I guess on the air. Cause I'm going to say it in a meeting too. Like if you do the first like sports betting fantasy VR show, like that's just an angle that'll get you an audience. Cause people are dying for any sort of content or engagement on there. 
Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine Nana Pete just getting to see 3D asses, you know, in the metaverse. It sounds lovely. Have you? Were you watching all these uh, incredibly stoned, or were you doing this uh, sober? A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I think it's generally a rolling hill for me throughout any sort of time off, or maybe in life overall. Uh, but it's like you know, I was going through some of this stuff and and just like definitely going in in awe of like the YouTube 4K VR stuff of just you go to see the pyramids basically, and it's like being in the pyramids, including you could hear people harassing the guy with the camera trying to sell him some souvenirs and whatever. But also like you could go into um, this thing called Horizon Venues, where it has like live shows. I think tomorrow it has uh, the Clippers Celtics game on there, and like basically like you'll it'll be like you're sitting courtside. There's also people walking around there, so like real people in their headsets with their avatars, and they're interacting. And basically, it's, it's just becomes like a chat room of people hanging out. Which I just had myself on mute. I was just observing and trying to figure out the selfie stick in there. But it's really fucking trippy in a way that I feel like it's gonna be very important for our lives in the next five years, especially based on the amount of thirteen year olds I was coming across <laughs> yeah um i yeah i'm like i understand people uh hate the kind of meta metaverse buzzword now once facebook co-opted it and it just seems uncool and people still have like flying cars in their head when they think of it but the the step to getting to what you just described is is very very close and and part of it is like truly exciting to me like i still think about you know, stuff I do with my college buddies where, you know, we have like a discord chat and, you know, occasionally we'll do like a poker thing, but even being able to just do those things, like in a more VR dimension where you could talk and you could like, Oh, what, what do we want to bet on? Pull up something there, a, a sports book thing. As it's like right now, it's just a shared screen, but you can see the ways where it would truly feel like hanging out, uh, with people. If, if all this stuff gets fine tuned and it does seem like we're quickly headed there. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I think it, uh, I think there's a lot of potential for it. It's interesting. And it's honestly not that expensive to get a 3d camera. I was looking it up again, just looking for an angle here to force people to watch our content and the hopes that, you know, they'll, they'll then like us. That's really the main thing you spend time with us. I think you'll enjoy the show. Um, and an ice man, I do, we got to read the chat too. Yesterday while I was listening to tilt space, my wife heard Pete's voice and said, is that the granny that always talks about butts? Pete, you've had a lot of lanes over the last few years between your TikToking and the tilt space and the cash game stuff. But being the nanny who talks about butts to people who don't watch your content seems like a whole new one. Yeah, I actually the most concerning thing to me about this comment is just that my character work uh outs me. I would have hoped my, you know, grandma voice would be just so different and unique compared to mine, but I guess it's just that obvious. Yeah, I guess the connection is there. I mean, you are related after all, so that's probably why the Nana Pete and actual Pete, yeah. That's true. But uh, uh, shout out to your wife uh, for suffering through having to listen to this show on whatever speakers you have it on. Get yourself some headphones. Do it for her. Uh, so hit that like button if you can. That way, Pete will introduce even more characters, perhaps in character underdog drafts in the offseason. We'll find out how that goes for us. Something to tease there. Another thing to tease there. Looks like on Thursday, Pete and I are going to strap ourselves in and do a little holiday special, a little New Year's special, Pete, which I feel like we could promote now, even though we've discussed none of the finer points besides me saying it'd be fun if we did a drunk show. And I think that's what we're going to do. We'll do our ride or die picks. We'll do, uh, I guess we'll have Nana Pete also putting a few back and maybe some special guests if we can round anybody up who wants to do a show on the day before New Year's Eve. But Pete, I think drunk shows for the holidays. I was listening to the Figure Four Wrestling podcast. It does like a weekly or a yearly one, rather. It'd be weekly if it were drunk. That'd be a bit of a problem. But yearly one where they get like blacked out and they did a two-hour show. I don't think we need to go that far, but I do think people enjoy us just going after it. Maybe ride or die picks of the power hour. I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I'm not going to make uh, promises on on how drunk I'm going to be. I, I do have to uh, pace myself for actual New Year's and no uh, Thursday and night all football though, so no cram. I know that is that is the nice thing, uh, no cram. But yes, we will. Spags and I will get together and we will figure out uh, the exact time and hopefully uh, some guests. And yeah, so we'll we'll take Friday off uh, and we'll put our heart and soul into a Thursday show. Yeah, we'll keep our fingers crossed that nobody gets ruled out and ruins the ride or die picks or the other segments on here, which I guess we'll have to talk about in a bit. But let's get into our snap takes from week 16. And I think the big one we have to start with Sunday night football was pretty big, but Joe Burrow throwing for 525 yards. I know, Pete, this is a big part of what you were talking about on your recap show on the channel uh, right before a couple hours ago. But 37 to 46 day, four touchdowns, 41 21 win over Baltimore. T. Higgins also leads the way with 12 catches for 194 yards and two TDs on 13 targets. And some Somehow Joe Mixon also gets there, gets 18 rushes for 65 yards and a rushing TD. Also six catches for 76 or 70 yards, excuse me, on six targets and a touchdown there. I was surprised to see Joe Mixon get there, but this was just an onslaught in the way that I kind of worried Joe Burrow wasn't going to have after that knee issue. He started this year kind of slow. He's not running as much as he did last year, which is going to be for the best, I guess, for T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and, and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon, whoever else they're putting out there. But what did you think of this one live? I know it had some DFS ramifications for you, but to me, these are literal video game numbers, including on the other side that we'll talk about in a second. Yeah, uh, absolutely absurd performance. It's been fun to watch T Higgins progression. You know, he was uh, very hyped up coming into the season. The second year wide receivers, you know, who flash as rookies, they're very exciting. Uh, Higgins ended up being like a tough riddle this off season with how would he coexist with Jamar Chase, who was an even better prospect on paper than he was. Uh, and the correct answer ended up just being both of them uh, were great. And it's kind of funny because it was like Jamar Chase had the insanely hot first start to the season. And now T Higgins is really coming along uh, late. And so, yeah, it, it was sick to see some of those catches <laughs> mossing, you know, two of the Ravens defenders. And then, yeah, Joe Burrows, uh, 525 passing yards yesterday. I had some T Higgins, uh, but I did not have the, uh, the Joe Burrow stacks. And, uh, and that meant no, no money for me. And I think you're seeing the potential be lived up to a lot of people. I know in the, uh, in the off season, we're talking about the hopes for this triumvirate receivers along with Joe Burrow. And I just don't think the upside was there week to week, but seeing it now as maybe they're revving up into playoff mode a little bit more, I'd be terrified if I were playing them in the playoffs. And I think uh, they could be an interesting team, Pete, for the playoff best ball drafts as well. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't gone through uh, and looked at all of the, the rosters yet, but you have to imagine a, a ton of T Higgins um, in Burrow stacks, you know, propelling people. And then it's just what's so interesting about the way those advancements work in the underdog uh, playoffs is just you're always having to thread that needle, right? Because it's like if the Joe Burrow stack gets you there, but then next week, say the Chiefs defense, who's been playing pretty strong, just like keeps them in check. Well, then, then you're, then you're out, you know? So it's just like, sometimes you need those massive weeks to get you there. And then you're, you're just having to, to thread the needle on all these top performances. And the Bengals currently the three seed in the playoff hunt for the actual playoffs as well. So it could be a decent payoff here for Joe Burrow potentially coming up and definitely a QB you can get hot. I want to give the shout out though to Josh Johnson on the other side, 28 for 40, 304 passing yards, two touchdowns and one pick also ran five times for 10 yards and also kept Mark Andrews going in a way that I thought if Lamar was going to come back, he'd start to spread the ball around a bit more. Mark Andrews though continues to thrive with the backup tight ends, eight for 125 on 10 targets also gets a touchdown and then 
Jace Proch, also seven catches for 76-yard leads to receivers on eight targets. But I feel like Josh Johnson, Pete, an XFL alum, a guy that's continued to perform fantasy-wise whenever he's gotten an opportunity for the uh, not-football team back when he was on Washington for the Jets at one point this year. And I feel like guys like this, like I love to see him step in and be good. It sort of makes you question, I guess, how good Tyler Huntley really is. But just seeing Josh Johnson be out there doing this, like an amazing performance by him, literally coming off the assembly line, coming off of the unemployment line, basically. I absolutely love this, the handle name slash comment <laughs> combo. So we have Ravens are a pure run, uh, pure QB system. And then we also have Huntley for MVP, which uh, these things would uh, seem to be in opposition of each other here. But it is, I think it is, um, speaks to how well the Ravens have structured kind of their, their QB room. And you see a lot of these teams when, hey, the backup quarterback's coming in, all right, we're removing three quarters of the playbook. We're going super conservative. We don't trust them to execute the offense. And the Ravens are like, no, you're just going to do what we do, which is a lot of read options and taking shots down the field and keeping the tempo up. So the fact that they let these quarterbacks kind of just run the same plays that Lamar Jackson was doing, I, I think it, I think it's smart. And basically all of the successful quarterbacks that we've seen that are backups that come in, it's because they're willing to be aggressive. I remember Heineke uh, last year in the playoffs there for Washington coming in and he was super aggressive and that's kind of what made him, you know, interesting as a quarterback. So uh, I think it's sharp on the Ravens part and it's probably somewhere in between uh, Huntley and Josh Johnson being above average backup quarterbacks, but then also the Ravens getting the most out of them. Yeah, the offense, too, I think, you know, getting the archetype certainly an important part. Only for MVP following up here saying yes to uh, their system, only one type of QB is for every QB. I think that makes sense. I mean, that's what you should be building around. And Lamar is clearly the highest ceiling version of it, probably the highest floor version of it. But that doesn't mean these guys can't step in and produce for fantasy. And, you know, the team certainly didn't play that well. But I think I, I don't put that blame at all on Josh Johnson, Pete. I feel like that wasn't a garbage time game. Like they just got smoked by Joe Burrow. It's not his fault. They lost by almost three touchdowns. Yeah, uh, I will say the the Ravens secondary is just absolutely awful. And now they have a I this this is all fresh in my head because I just recorded the week 17 first look. Uh, now they have the Rams. And so just thinking about Cooper Cup, Odell and Van Jefferson getting loose in that secondary uh, should be a pretty, pretty good fantasy bonanza for Matt Stafford. Yeah, not their fault either. A lot of injuries there because I know the I'm sure Huntley for MVP will defend the secondary, but yeah, they are so banged up and it's they're doing the best they can to cobble it together. But that's what's going to happen when you're again signing guys off the street for cornerback and quarterback, two of the most position, most important positions out there. Uh, Dallas hangs 56 on Washington with a 56-14 win on Sunday night football, largely driven by two defensive TDs, but they also got four passing TDs from Dak Prescott. But the question I'm gonna ask you, Pete, week to week, we've been seeing this happen. CeeDee Lamb snaps have been all over the place routes run have been down a bit yesterday garbage time allows Malik Taylor to pull ahead of him but is Dalton Schultz the most consistent Cowboys receiver because he's playing all the snaps at tight end for the most part besides you know 10 to 15 that go to whatever second string tight end is available in a given week and I feel like out of all the guys I don't know that I want to pay a premium uh, price tag for him but if, at a reasonable salary I feel like he's the one you could trust whereas you'll have your Gallup weeks you'll have your Cooper weeks you'll have your Lamb weeks and those guys just really fluctuate in a way that I don't feel comfortable with yeah, he has been consistent. I still think I'd take Lamb just as far as his floor ceiling combination, but it is definitely hurt. You know, one of Gallup or Amari has been kind of the odd man out each week just because Schultz is commanding so many targets. Um, I think he had eight targets uh, again last night and just a big, big part of that offense. I'm definitely curious to see 
how things shake out this week against the Cardinals had circled that game way back this summer, looking at week 16 matchups there in the dome with those two high powered offenses. Michael Gallup's only 4,800 this week. Um, so, you know, maybe everyone swings over to Schultz after his big game and, and now Gallup is, is next man up, but yeah, uh, it's great for Schultz, but definitely makes it, it tougher for fantasy to know which one of those wide receivers to trust. Yeah, and I would agree the, the measuring stick of going against Arizona next week is going to be a pretty big one for Dallas because beating up on Washington, a lot of teams have done that recently. And Dallas uh, have proven that they can put something together. They're certainly going to be a team to worry about in the playoffs, but I want to see them do it against somebody with a little more merit to them. Um, on the Kansas City game, no Travis Kelsey. He remains on the COVID list after Tyreek Hill tests his way back off, but Kansas City crushes Pittsburgh 36-10. Byron Bringle leads the way, six catches for 75 yards on seven targets and two touchdowns. Pete talked about overlooking him a little bit in GBP lineups. I think that was the case for a a lot of people across the industry not knowing where to go with Travis Kelsey out. A lot of Tyreek Hill, a lot of Noah Gray and Blake Bell ownership that floated around out there. But Pete, the big thing in the backfield seems like CEH with that shoulder slash collarbone injury. Do you read into the fact that Derek Gore outtouched Darrell Williams or at least the fact that he was meaningfully involved, even though the game, again, got away here. So that's going to lead to more Derek Gore time. Uh no, it seems like when they've used Derek Gore, it has been, you know, way more in garbage time. What was it a couple weeks ago when they crushed the Raiders and we saw a lot of Derek Gore? Um, it is an interesting spot, though, with with CEH uh, potentially uh, missing this week. I think I'm still most interested in Darrell Williams. He's had such a good pass catching role. Um, basically throughout, even when CH returned and they've shown a willingness to give him the early down work as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to get pretty interested in Darrell Williams, uh, in this match. And I imagine the field will be pretty interested in him as well. Anything with Pittsburgh on their side? I feel like at this point, and we're going to talk about another team coming up with the Giants that I think is in no play anybody's zone, which is not a actual phrase to say out loud, but that's what I would tag it as, Pete, the clever branding, the no play anybody zone. But I think the Giants and Pittsburgh, to me, are just two teams that I like Deontay Johnson a lot. After he doesn't come through there, I just don't know how you could trust any of them. And you might talk about the Chiefs defense, I guess, being a reason that you might still play some Steelers down uh, the home stretch of the season. Yeah, I, I was so thankful when I was looking. There's only two games that aren't on a main slate this week, and one of them is Browns Steelers. And I was like, mm. just knock yourself out. Like, I think they play <laughs> Monday Night Football, uh, and that's just such a wonderful game to not have to deal with. I don't want to deal with either of those teams. The The Steelers are so depressing because they should have the weapons to be a very fun fantasy team, but Roethlisberger is just so beyond cooked right now that they're they're a pretty miserable watch. At a certain point, feels like maybe it's Mason Rudolph time, and he hasn't looked terrible so far this year, um, including in the preseason. So uh, just a tough team to trust right now unless Ben doesn't play. And Ben, I don't know, Ben doesn't seem like his heart's in it or his body certainly is not in it. Uh, some more games to get through. Houston upsets the Chargers 41-29. Thanks largely to the man on the thumbnail back there. 22 carries, 149 yards, two rushing touchdown day for Rex Burkhead. Justin Jackson as chalk also goes off for 35 fantasy points, 11 carries, 65 four yards, two TDs, along with eight catches for 89 yards on nine targets. And Pete, this win, I feel like the Chargers just continue to find ways to really hurt themselves on the home stretch of the season, but also just lose the teams sometimes that it feels like they should absolutely have put a beating on. And no Mike Williams, certainly no Austin Eckler, not great for them, but Houston winning, putting up that many points. Is this an aberration game? <laughs> you made Rex Burke at the thumbnail, so I don't know which way you're going to go with this one. Um... Yeah, it's more, I feel like the Chargers are the AFC version of the Seahawks. There's that tweet out there that says uh, the Seahawks have never played a normal game. And I feel like that's kind of <laughs> like the Chargers too. There's just never uh, a normal uh, Chargers game. And we have seen the Texans 
um, play, you know, pretty inspired football. Who was it that they beat in week one? Um, oh yeah, they crushed the Jags in week one when everyone thought, you know, they were going to be the worst team in football. So I like how they play aggressive. Um, and yeah, I, I just had to throw Rex Burkhead on the thumbnail. I mean, him and, uh, Justin Jackson, uh, both pretty much had the exact same statistical performance yesterday. And one of them was two and a half percent owned and the other was, you know, 60% owned. So just wanted to show Rex Burkhead, uh, some love there carrying, uh, the rock for the Texans. I know it's a big moment for the Burkhead family to get onto the splash play thumbnails, I'm sure. And I think this is one rule, Pete, that every week I put it in Fantasy Cruncher, it ends up being like this, where normally you want to have just one running back from a game on a main slate where there's 11, 10 games or whatever. And I put that rule in, and every week I put that rule in, like because I don't remember to do it every week, or sometimes I'm just like, nah, I don't want to do it this week. There's always <laughs> two running backs in the same game that go off. And this one is like, I wouldn't think that you could have Justin Jackson and Burkhead both have tournament winning tournament defining games like this. And I know you're a hand building guy. I, I honestly am thinking I might do when you do your cash game week, I might do single entry week just to try to get some of the stink of the GPP season off of me. But I just feel like the two running backs in one game thing so infrequently it works out, but when it does, it's a situation like this. Yeah. And I ended up, I ended up pivoting like a lot of Justin Jackson to Rex Burkhead. And, you know, I feel so smart until, you know, then Justin Jackson just does the same thing. A lot of the winning lineups had both uh, Levitan finished second in the fan duel Millie uh, with a team that had both Jackson and Burkhead on it. And yeah, I think I agree with you in general. I don't feel too excited playing two running backs from the same game. And I can't even remember uh, when would have been the last time I did it. But if there was a time to do it, it would be with two really cheap, running backs who also catch passes and uh those guys definitely check the box here i think the last time it didn't work out for me that i put the rule in was that week where the browns running backs were hurt and it was um dearness johnson who went off going against uh, ramondre stevenson and that was yeah that was the last time i did it so anyway point being i'll, I'll if i remember this to put the rule in I'll, I'll certainly let everybody know that it's safe to play both running backs in the same game because normally the game scripts don't work out that way that's the logic behind it uh speaking of running backs that absolutely killed me this week pete and there i had some lineups that were destroyed completely by one fantasy point from james robinson who the more important part not my lineups is that he tore his achilles going to be out for the year hopefully uh we'll get back in time for early next season but that doesn't look great given the recovery timelines 26 21 jets win there but a big workload for dario ogumawale down the stretch of that one 17 rushes for 57 yards does get a rushing touchdown also two catches for 15 yards on four targets you saw 13 targets for marvin jones with lavisca chenault a late rule out for covid pete great engagement tweet though to chirp you on that one the jacks just an absolute mess and the james robson injury just a sad fate for a guy who i feel like just the, everything has been against him this year including that hiring of urban meyer I thought about not replying to the tweet to not help your engagement numbers because I knew how much you uh, would relish that, but I decided to toss you a bone. I appreciate uh, a Christmas miracle, a treat for all. I wanted you to get fattened up on that that Christmas engagement. I did, and I appreciate that, Pete. And I, I guess for you, I, I don't know the, what format Darian Gubawale would be a pickup in at this point, given I, I presume even the FFPCs, you can't pick people up, but any thoughts on him? Cause it does feel like the workload for the Jags with no Robinson and, and Carlos Hyde still, whatever he's doing. Like it feels like a Gubawale could actually be very important for DFS and maybe in general. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're now going to be 15 point road dogs at new England this weekend. Mm. It's always like a tough 
line to thread where you're like, okay, yeah, he's going to be the pass catching back, but it, it could just be one of those days where the offense goes three and out, um, you know, 16 times. So, and he's not like a guy like Michael Carter, where you're at least like, oh, he's got some juice and some fresh legs to rip off some big plays as well. So I think it's a tight needle to thread with Dare, uh, probably going to be too thin, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Savon Austin fills in for the aforementioned LaVisca Chenault is on the COVID list. Six catches, 68 yards, seven targets. Probably not enough of a workload to trust him to go there, but he did look pretty solid. Michael Carter, I know you mentioned this on your previous stream, Pete, 16 rushes for 118 yards for the Jets. Braxton Berrios, also a guy I had a lot of because I know Jamison Crowder, still no Corey Davis, who's out the rest of the year. No, uh, no, Alvaro Moore as well. Uh, but this spot for Berrios, really luck box with his return TD, only five catches for 37 yards and 23 fantasy points for Zach Wilson. I don't, I feel like like the fact that he could get there without any receiver having an outlier day is probably a good sign, Pete. But the rest of the Giants, I think maybe the Michael Carter part is something to feel good about, especially if Tevin Coleman ends up missing some games down the stretch. Well, did you see the Zach Wilson touchdown run? Yeah, I mean, that was a crazy run. It was. It doesn't yeah. happen very often, I would think, for Zach Wilson. No, I mean, it was part of the thesis. Uh, I remember when Karain was like looking at him as a prospect, and he's like, this dude has a big arm and can run. And those are two pretty nice things for fantasy. So it was like, it was nice to finally see, you know, what we were drafting him in the 17th round of best ball drafts for, <laughs> which is ripping off, you know, big runs like that. Um, but yeah, uh, I love Braxton Berrios. Everyone, there was a couple guys in our discord who were like, I didn't even know Braxton Berrios was that fast. I thought he was just a slow slot wide receiver. Uh, but yeah, Michael Carter one was interesting, just that he did so much work on the ground and not through the passing game. Um, so the fact that he's efficient as a rusher, and then also we know it was just a few weeks back when he had that 14 target game. Um, I'm pretty, pretty interested, uh, in him. And now I believe they play the bucks this week and he's only 5,100 on DraftKings. So, uh, I, I might be interested in a little Michael Carter. Yeah, Michael Carter. I don't know what, you know, the week 18 matchup for the Jets by any chance. I do not. Let's see, Jets week 18. Because I feel like Michael Carter, I, I, it's hard to see it against the Bucks given just the run defense is not as good as it's been historically, but still one. Uh, they play the Bills, but that game probably won't matter for the Bills. It wouldn't shock me, and I I'm, would maybe make this a ride-or-die pick if there were a way to do this for a, a futures bet. I feel like Michael Carter, there's going to be a game these last two where Tevin Coleman's out. I feel like Michael Carter's going to go for 200 yards. I don't know if it's like all-purpose yards. Maybe it's a way to couch that, but I feel like it's coming up. All right. All right. Colin, Colin, your shot. There you have it. Yeah. And in a way that doesn't matter. I'm out of ride or die picks. Pete beat me again there, though. We did have one zero, Pete, because I did have uh, Tyler Croft outscoring LaVisca Chenault by two and a half points. He did do that. So if we're going by the letter of the law here, that should be a 10 pointer. Um, no, you, you, uh, you actually just said it. You said, uh, Tavon Austin was filling in for, for, uh, that. Yeah, so he he but, but we didn't change the ride or die picks. I figured there was a bunch of COVID ones. I didn't even tweet them. I'm not even tweeting them out at this point. Cause it was too much, too much. I'll toss you. I'll toss you a little scrap. Also, you never accepted my head to head invitation for lowball. Oh, I didn't get it. Really? I yeah, sent you the head to head invite. You know, I, I was wondering, I thought you just forgot it. And I was like, I'm not going to bother you on Christmas weekend. <laughs> no, I, I I thought you just forgot about it. I was like, I'm not gonna bother you on Christmas week. <laughs> well, classic us communication, Pete. Very important in relationships, but that's uh, yeah, that's my bad. I was like, oh, Pete's probably got enough going on. He's got to still do streams. Like, I'm not gonna <laughs> not gonna bitch him about this. Yeah, uh, I guess I guess we will not know uh, how those teams did because yeah, the the contest didn't fill. I'm looking through my old lineups to see if uh, if it even show up here. I did have Darnold at QB. I think he had eight fantasy points, so that wasn't that wasn't too bad. But yeah, I don't Who know. Who did I have at QB? Um, 
Did you have Jake Fromm? You might have Jake Fromm. Fromm. Yeah, it didn't even save my lineup in my history. So yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll need if you don't it. answer it, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, we'll never know, but I'm going to assume I won. I've been running hot low ball, the one thing that doesn't fucking matter. But if you'll give me the 10 points for Ryder Dice, Pete, that'll at least give me a chance to catch you in the last few weeks. Wink. Um, that's probably an unlikely chance, I would think, at this point. Um, fine. I'll allow it. Yay! All right. So I got three 10 pointers this week. Nick Chubb, two Xing AJ Dillon's points. T Higgins in the winning Millie Maker lineup. You also got Jamar Chase, correct, as your 10 pointer in the Millie Maker winning lineup. So we have, in fact, been really good at wide receiver Millie Maker lineup picks. Those are correct on Ride or Dies. And then you also had two of the top five scores in the Chargers Texans, our Texans. That was a stupid bet for me to give 10 points on, but we were in the Christmas spirit. Things were flowing freely. You should have given me the other one that I actually wanted initially. You backed me into that one. I know. It's, that's the issue is when I really fuck myself over like that <laughs> one. But Pete is now up, I think, roughly 70 points, maybe 80, depending on what the calculations are there. So it's not great, but I but I do think there's still a chance for me to catch you in the last two weeks, so I'll take that. Um, let's burn through these other recap items. Sony Michelle, 20. Seth carries 131 yards and a TD. Darrell Henderson, one rush for 17 yards and a 30-23 win with Minnesota. I think, Pete, this could change from the playoffs. I think if we do that underdog playoff best ball draft later, I feel like you could still take Darrell Henderson or, yeah, Darrell Henderson and feel okay about it. But I think for the rest of the season, like, Sonny Michelle seems like he's RB1 now because of uh, poor Darrell Henderson getting Wally Pip while having COVID. Yeah, and not to mention Darrell Henderson also left the game yesterday with a knee injury. So, I mean... Sony Michelle was already starting to outplay him. Then you factor in the knee stuff, all this positive momentum. And yeah, I think Sony Michelle is now kind of taken over this backfield. Adam Thielen also hurt again with KJ Osborne getting a pretty comparable workload. Ends up with five catchers, 68 yards, and a TD on seven targets. Um, I think you're you're now fully on board with KJ Osborne, right? Like I think the only way he doesn't get there is if you see, you know, a Dalvin Madison monster day. We're like it, it's Dalvin and Madison, and I guess Justin Jefferson having monster days, but that to me, you know, that happening that often, at least you know how KJ Osborne could fail. And I just think he's gonna get enough routes and get enough of that Thielen role that he's a guy in DFS. And if you somehow in a season-long league and you're still going, I feel like he's a very viable play to me yeah i mean they were already a condensed offense and then if you remove uh Thielen, um it, it really gets condensed so yeah i like the osborne call and in other news uh, around the league, Philly wins 34-10. No Giants score over 10 fantasy points. Miles Sanders broke his hand, though. I guess they're going to try to make him play through it or see if he can. No, that's gonna, I just yeah. saw a tweet that uh, he is officially out for this week. Okay, okay. so that's good. Yeah, the initial news item was like, they're going to test his hand and see if he can still play around <laughs> it. And I guess they figured out that you don't want to do that that fast. Pete, we've been here before, though, with Miles Sanders. So do you have any thoughts about Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, or Kenneth Gaywell? Who's going to benefit the most with Miles Sanders out yet again? Um, I mean, just even looking at the touch splits after Sanders left, it does look pretty even between Howard and Boston Scott. I always kind of prefer Boston Scott just because he seems like he has a little juice. Um, and he, he scored that touchdown too. So they are willing to use him in the red zone. So, um, yeah, I, I think I might have a little interest in, in Boston Scott here. Yeah, I think Kenneth Gainwell, hard to trust him getting back into the mix, even though he started so well for them. And Jordan Howard does get the ball per snap more than pretty much anybody, as we've talked about a lot throughout the year. So I think both guys are tournament plays if Philly lines up in the right situation. Other news around the league, Antonio Brown, 10 for 101. The Bucks 32-6 win. Ronald Jones gets 20 carries. Josh Allen goes for 314 passing yards and three touchdowns, while Damian Harris also goes for 18 for 103 and three touchdowns. If one of Harris or Ramondre Stevenson is out, just play that running back seems to be the lesson. And she Smith ends up as 
as the uh, top Panthers receiver for the week. Anything of these of these items or anything else out there, Pete, over all these games that we haven't talked since? Anything's in interest of you or to you that you want to bring to the people? Um, no, I feel like we mentioned uh, pretty much uh, everything. I do think Ramondre will be in play uh, if he comes back off the COVID list, just because they're two touchdown favorites against the Jags. I could see both him and Harris having uh, good games, but yeah, the just kind of, we're going to be monitoring some of the the injury stuff, but we, we hit on all of those. I think Henderson, CEH and Miles Sanders. So I think we did it. Spags were the most comprehensive week 16 recap show in the biz. I mean, honestly though, like week 16, cause I think there's money to be made. Like we talk a lot really across the industry. A lot of people do like the first three weeks of the NFL season. People don't have great data. So they're kind of going off instincts and you could have a little bit of an edge. I do feel like this year, especially with the COVID, like if you're still paying close attention for week 17, week 18, like I think there's an opportunity to make money and I'm, I'm sure you'll see it firsthand. And I, I don't find it fully you know, believable that you're not only going to play cash games in week 18. Cause I think this is a year where you, you could make some, you could win the spy in week 18. No, it is that is not a bit. I am literally only playing cash games week 18. I only played cash games week 17. This is an awesome GPP week in week 17. Uh, I will return for the playoffs. We're going to have some nice wild card and divisional round slates. But week 18 is for the cash game grinders, Spags. All right. If you say so, I just feel like week 18 is going to look like a lot like week 14, week 13, <laughs> week 12 this year. It doesn't have the same thesis of the, the reason for the concept as it did in previous seasons. Are you kidding? Oh, it, it definitely will. Like there's going to be like four teams, resting starters, half the league will be out with COVID. I mean, this is a cash game grinders dream. All right. Fair enough, Pete, but let's go and guys hit the like button. If you're watching live or after the fact, we appreciate that a bunch, but Pete, it is in fact time to welcome some people to the family. So, uh, you ready to do that? Welcome to the family, CD. Chepale, what balls on this guy, huh, Mato? Shit, he's gonna take an eternal dirt nap any one of these days. Get out of here with this shit. Lauren the Ferrari, back in my garage. Welcome to family. I'm gonna welcome you to the family. Get in here, get in here. A uh, great time of year to be Italiano, Pete Christmas. Families getting together, sharing some nice red sauce. That's what we did over the holidays. How are you feeling back, Petey Overs? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Got the family together. We did a feast of the seven fishes, all that stuff. It's a big Italian tradition. If you didn't know, I actually have an intimate knowledge of it and not just saying it because it's a reference I thought would be very topical. Did you actually know that one offhand, or were you doing research for this bit in a way that would be completely unexpected? No, no, I know about it. I got some friends that are Italian, and this is what they do. I'm like, why are you eating fishes for Christmas? And they said, it's a whole feast, an Italian thing. And I said, okay, I'll file that away in my memory and use it on a show sometime. That's honestly a level of Italian even more than me, the actor who plays the actor, giving you welcome to the family fits does. But it's a very, actually a very Sicilian thing to do when I do have family who does that. But who the fuck wants to eat some salty ass fish on Christmas? That's not what I want, Pete. No, no, no. I want the gabagool. I want the majibu and I want the bajee. I don't want the fishes. That is correct here, but it's time to welcome some people to the family as we do every week here on Splash Play. And just because the season's nearing an end doesn't mean we don't got some guys to bring it through the mix and give some hugs and kisses, but only masculine kisses as always. Pete, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I do have uh, two groupings today to give to you. 
Two groupings, my goodness, my goodness. Save some for the rest of the family. Spags hogging the dishes over there. Come on, dude. L leave a little for the rest of us. But go ahead, go ahead, knock yourself out. I'll take the first one here. These are guys that are our co-hosts on the show. P and Spags already talked. I forgot, are we ourselves or are we, are we just different guys entirely? It's kind of an ever-blurring world, and you kind of just have to figure it out in the moment. It's actually true. I often use this accent around the house now for one-liners here and there, and I think my girlfriend has taken some uh, some less-than-desirable <laughs> approaches and looks towards me during those scenes. Yeah, where you were telling me that this is whole your new thing, you're like, yo, dude, when I enter the metaverse, I can become this Italian stallion. It's incredible. <laughs> Just a big jack goon is what I'd like to be. And the guy that I wouldn't mind looking like would be the two guys I'm going to welcome to the family at once. Going to take one arm for one guy, one arm for the other guy. Josh Johnson needs to be in the mix. He needs to be in the family, first of all. But I'm also going to take him and Joe Burrow in one swoop. I'm going to scoop them all in like some sort of carnival game because they basically played Madden, Pete. They had 830 combined passing yards. Almost uh, is uh, like a little too much going on, like all the food on Christmas Eve. But I got to say, I'm in that mood. I'm picking all day, and I'd love to keep picking at Bassett Yards and TDs with these Josh Johnsons and Joe Burroughs. All right, dude. Well, two can play that game. You want to bundle these guys up from out in the cold and bring them in and sit them down at our family? Then I'm going to do it with Justin Jackson and Rex Burkett, okay? Yeah. These dudes combined for 66 points in the game. All right, same game. I mean, you can't play two running backs from the same game mm -hmm. in DFS. Am I right? Am I right? But look at these guys. These are trailblazers. They're trendsetters. Sexy Rex Burkett. I mean, look at this guy. I'd like to put a meatball on his head and lick it right <laughs> off of him. And I'd like to tell Justin Jackson that I want to give him a big kiss. And then he goes, well, why aren't you going to do the meatball on my head? And I'm I'm like, well, you have more hair than Rex Burkett, but come here. I'll put a meatball on your head, too. And then he goes, you got marinara sauce all in my hair. And I'm like, well, you wanted me to put a meatball on your head. But, oh, and I hate when they have those complaints when requesting a meatball on the head. And I suppose the question I would ask when eating a meatball off of one man's head would be, is it like a Tootsie Pop scenario where we just licking it until the meat slowly starts to degrade? <laughs> Oh, did your uh, my mom used to give me those all the time, Maria? She would just get a uh, the lollipop and she just puts the meatball right on it, and us kids would lick them on the stoop. It's how I grew up. A classic Italian tradition, of course. And I'm gonna welcome a guy. I don't know if I'll let him like a meatball off my head, but we could share one like Lady in the Tramp. Braxton Berrios, and you kind of hinted at it, Pete. We're normally out there on the interwebs, across the internet, across the sports blogs, historically as well. They love a scrappy white wide receiver, and he got Braxton Berrios sauntering about. And I don't know if you got a photo of Braxton Berrios you could pull up, Pete. If you you have one just saved on your phone in your camera roll. <laughs> oh, I always have a photo of this man on my desktop. I mean, who doesn't have one of these just right on the trigger here at any given time? Now, I don't know if he's Italiano. I don't know what Barrios is. It could be Italian. He could be some sort of light-skinned Latino gentleman, whatever the case may be. He needs to be welcomed to the family by everybody. I don't know what happened where we don't go nuts for a guy like this running a 4-3-40 and getting touchdowns. But Braxton Barrios, come on, welcome to the family. He looks like he might be my future son. Dude, the reason I know this dude is Italian because there's only one ethnicity that would wear a chain like this underneath their jersey on picture day, and that's the Italians. You know that there's like a Mother Mary little thing on the end of it, a pendant of his mother or something like that. I, I mean, this is an Italian if I've ever seen one. Uh, my Braxton Barrios, just like Mama used to make, a fine Italian upstanding boy. We're claiming him as our own, Pete. You got anybody else you want to welcome to the family?
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to welcome this little pint size. While we're doing the diminutive players, how about this Isaiah McKenzie on the Bills? I mean, my God, this dude, 11 receptions, 125 yards. I think Cole Beasley got ran out of the country because he doesn't believe in COVID. So it's nice to see this Isaiah McKenzie, this cute little guy. I'd like to just put him in a high chair at the table and just cut his little spaghetti into little pieces and give him a little bite at a time so he doesn't choke on the guy's so cute. Welcome to the family, Mackenzie. He's like those little mozzarella balls, you know, the round ones that have a little bit of like sprinkle of uh, some sort of seasoning on them. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. No, yeah, I got that. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about, of course. But this is what he's like. He's like, you sometimes get those big slabs of mozzarella, but then you get those little pop of a mozzarella ball, and it's like, oh, that's so perfect. That's Isaiah McKenzie for you. Also, somehow, make it Stefan Diggs. Who, Stefan Diggs, nobody gives this man shit, but what is he doing? He can't He can't take nothing when there's no Cole Beasley's, no Gabriel Davis's. It's, it's crazy, Pete. What what are you what do you want to do? You're gonna look a gift horse in the mouth. This guy scored 21.5 DraftKings points for you. He dropped the touchdown, sure. But what do you want from this guy? You want the world, okay? How about you ask for the the moon and maybe you'll land among the stars. <laughs> I will ask for the moon. I want a slate breaker out there. Last year, he used to break all kinds of slates. Sometimes in our community, we like to break legs. And, you know, once you stop doing that, they don't respect you the same way, Pete. And that's what I want out of my boy, Stefan. I want him to come back into the family, break some slates for me. That also reminds me of one of my favorite songs. When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's Isaiah McKenzie. <laughs> when the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's Stefan Diggs. <laughs> okay, anything else? No. Nope. <laughs> no, okay. On that note, I guess let's hit the outro and do some other bits. Welcome to the family, CD. Chepale, what balls on this guy? I'm out of shit. He's going to take an eternal dirt nap any one of these days. Get out of here with this shit. Lauren, the Ferrari, back in my garage. Welcome to the family. I'm going to welcome you to the family. Get in here. Get in. Here. I bet the waving bit really pops in VR is what I, is what I think. On YouTube VR. Also, that bit was so good, Pete, that Nick Bird remembered he had to update his payment info and uh, get his membership tenure going again. That's the thing. I mean, uh, anytime I see uh, YouTube membership slipping, I do just have to slide into some kind of character to win the people <laughs> back over. I do think, honestly, like top to bottom, and it's sad because it's, you know, the end of the season, it's the holidays. I think that was one of our better Welcome to the Families. So really hit our beats, got out right when we had to. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it was good. I mean, we're getting better at hitting the eject button on a bit before it has diminishing returns. <laughs> right, we got better every time. By 2022, we're going to be killing it. That much, I promise. But Pete, I guess uh, let's do some Monday Night Football ride or die picks for Dolphins. Say it's I, uh, do we, we could do a quick lineup build, I guess, and still have time to do a best ball draft. Or we could just do a best ball draft. That might be more logical. Yeah, let's do our let's do our captain pick, and then we can we can do a draft. All right, so, of course, Monday Night Football is going to be marked by the debut of Ian Book. And as Pete tweeted, all sorts of puns could be going to bound if he launched himself onto the national stage in a big way. And, Pete, I will give you the preamble before we get into the ride-or-die picks themselves. Ian Book ran a lot in college. Like, he ran the ball, like, 10 times a game in college. And that makes me think he is a play. I wish he were a little bit cheaper, but I get why he's going to be so chalky in showdowns. And I'm curious to see what Run the Sims has to say, but I think he's a guy that's going to end up in a winning lineup quite a bit. Yeah. Um... 
And there were some stats too. I saw a uh, one week season had a tweet uh, through 16 passes and rush zero times in his only preseason action versus Baltimore, but he averaged about 500 rush yards in his last two seasons at Notre Dame. And then there was Nick Vanette had a quote on, on Ian book here for the saints. Uh, he goes, but with Ian, he's an unbelievable athlete, unbelievable quarterback. If you guys just saw the things that he would do on scout team against our defense, sometimes you just sit back like, oh my God, how did he pull that off? I would say he's just as mobile as Taysom is. He's a dual threat. He can run around. He'll get in there and get some yards scrambling. So that's the kind of quote that gets you excited to play Ian book and showdown. Yeah. And again, it's a third string QB. They did try to, they did try to talk Phillip rivers, Andrew breeze out of retirement for this one. So he must not be that great across the board. But I have to say I'm really intrigued here, Pete, and I am a man who is intrigued by backup QBs, but that quote you just read out loud, the rushing numbers, the fact that maybe Sean Payton can just game plan enough for him that he's useful. I, like, this is the most intriguing Monday Night Football could be, and it's entirely because of a third-string quarterback. Yeah, it's, I mean, the smart money is still on this game being like a 9-6 game where the defenses are in the optimal lineup, but who knows? Maybe Ian Book, uh, you know, will surprise us. Yeah, 37-point line here as Miami gets 20 implied points. New Orleans gets 17 implied points, but the books just haven't caught up with the book man himself, Ian Book. Uh, Pete, I, I think, well, I'll, I would let you go first, but we have to give our ride-or-die picks, and I'm just now swept up entirely in, in this situation. And I'm going to leave this another better play available for you and Alvin Kamara. I just want to be on the right side of the history books with Ian Book as my showdown winning captain. <laughs> oh. Man, uh, I wish this segment had a storybook ending, uh, but it is not. Uh, I'm going to go with, I do it. Looking at the Sims, it does seem like the top three uh, most frequented uh, captains are Tua, Kamara, and Waddle. They all seem pretty uh, even. So the fact that uh, Spags is taking a guy who's not in the top three makes me feel good. So I'll, I'll take Tua uh, as my, as my captain for tonight. I thought you were going to go Alvin Kamara, but I guess the projections probably do come down a little bit because of the the rushing that Ian Book could have. And Kamara actually just doesn't project fantastically for some reason. Yeah, and he's expensive. You know, yeah. he's he, he's two thousand more than even Tua. So uh, yeah, and you just you never know um, Kamara how you know his role will translate with a new QB. Yeah, I think he's going to get fed still, I'm hoping, but I, that's a decision that you can make if you do want to go Ian Book's way a little bit more. His rushing should theoretically take away some checkdowns for Kamara that could be normally valuable there. Uh, but let's do that underdog playoff best ball draft, and I think uh, my hunch is you're going to see more from us doing things on Splash Play with Underdog, perhaps uh, as much as Pete does on his channel in the new year. Um, wait, wink, wink, I don't know. <laughs> let's do an underdog playoff best ball draft uh, for free, Pete. We're not getting paid by them yet, but one one day. Or you are. Uh, this draft is actually going to cost me money to do. Actually, we're going to do. Let's see. We'll we'll do a, we'll do a five dollar mitten. Um, you know, I can't afford the twenty five dollar ones on this show. No, that, that's that's tough, but fair. I would say that I think we're going to do a great job, and we're going to get you into the finals, <laughs> just like Eric Pime for did. I saw again. I watched your whole stream right before the show in in real life, not in VR. If it were VR, it would have been too much. Yeah, the one team I got through is a team that uh, Eric and I drafted together on stream uh this summer and it's uh i think it's going to be pretty live um because it's it's super unique uh based on what most people getting through have so we will see it should be fun eric by for very sharp check out his work as well as spike week is what his show uh i think he's that's affiliated with roto grinders right uh yeah yep launched uh spike week under the the rg umbrella another influencer 101 spags oh yeah there you go so there that's an interesting one 
Where do you want? Well, where do we want to go? Because I, I feel like you need a guide a little more. Because I'm still your strategy. I feel like you're much sharper on at this point of the of the best ball. I, I mean, draft. I I do think it's it's Cup or Adams. I mean, I do think Adams is the dominant play just because they're the favorites to get to the Super Bowl in the NFC. Um, he can just put up massive numbers. Uh, wide they're receiver also have that buy though, like almost for sure. Right, which which you can definitely you can definitely lean. Uh, or, or work around uh, that buy. But yeah, and there's some other cheap packers to fill out around them. So yeah, I, I think I'm on Team Adams. Okay, I think go his way then. I, I support that. Yeah, and then... Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's, it's basically too like, you can still kind of do whatever with your second and third pick. And then from there, um, we'll probably kind of know what our construction is going to be after that. Okay. Yeah. And I think I like hearing your logic for these because I, I haven't delved too much into them yet. As I said, I'm going to try to hold as long as I can. Hope the tournament doesn't fill so I can maybe get a little bit more of an idea of who's actually going to be playing and who's not. Uh, but I do think the logic for Adams, like, I get it. I, I just feel like I don't want to lose that one week, but that might be me being a bit of a, a noob for best ball, play, playoff best ball, especially. Well, I mean, there's, there's two goals, right? Or two kind of things that you're you know, that are in direct opposition of each other that you're trying to do, which is you're trying to build the best possible lineup for the Super Bowl. Uh, and then you're also trying to advance outside of the wild card round. And those things are um, not the same thing. So you're trying to thread the needle with it. So as long as like every one of your picks is either helping you build a Super Bowl lineup or helping you get out of the wild card round, I think you're doing fine. So obviously the Adams pick is helping us win the win the Super Bowl. And certainly volume-wise, like I have no issue with it on that front. But I think it's interesting to hear you explain. And you're doing that stream with Buy and Ford tomorrow, right? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk uh, through uh, some more of this uh, in the weeds uh, strategy. So yeah, and I, I I will admit I'm I'm definitely starting to get more comfortable with these. But there's there's so much changing each week. Like the Bengals winning yesterday, you know their odds went from like 34% on five thirty eight. They're up to 79% now to make the playoffs. So you're not going to get the deals on Jamar Chase, Higgins and Mixon that you were getting even before yesterday. So now it's like looking at some of these other fringe teams, you know, um, maybe it swings back to the Ravens or to a team like even the Saints um, who you could get really cheap that still have, you know, a 50% chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And yeah, yeah, people saying, Eric, in the chat, this draft so far is weird. I'm a little perplexed by the Derrick Henry pick. I feel like that was one that you seem to be not so bullish on taking too early, and that, that's crazy you went that high. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind the Derrick Henry thought, but but not that at that price. So now we want to um, oh, make I, a the decision. The there. It is. I know. I think the buck stack is a little harder. So my first thing is I do think we should just pair Adams with Aaron Jones. Okay. Um, but then I think, I think we should probably look to an, an AFC position. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't like Austin Eckler at this point just because the chargers, I, I feel like they could go either way, but I think they're going to blow it based on what we saw yesterday. Um, yeah. And the, Chargers win probability dropped. They're down to 36% uh, here. So that is a tougher sell. Um, this is, it's definitely tougher with the AFC right now. We have nine seconds here. AJ Brown, but that's a lofty ADP. Yeah, I'm just going to do it. Um, I don't love it, uh, but uh, I wanted to make sure we got a, we got a play yeah, in there. Yeah. I got it. That's Eric saying the Chargers are only a 35% chance. Yeah, I don't. 
I, I don't have any faith. I don't have any faith in them, you know, getting out of the first round, yeah. let alone making it. The thing about the AJ Brown or the one that sucks is in a lot of situations, we would have been able to get Derrick Henry a little mm. bit later. Um, I still think with a build, like a sharp idea, and this is all the different levels to this is I think you could still build a, a Titans team that has, you know, Donta Foreman as your last pick and basically just playing like, what if Henry is never able to come back or come back at full health and the Titans still manage a little bit of a run. So I think there's all kinds of different ways that you can play these. Yeah. I just, I think I just need to dive in more, but I, I, again, I'm trying to hold that as long as possible. And it seems like the fill rate's not high enough, but I think that's, that's where, you know, your mileage may vary for people out there where there's definitely some equity in jumping in now and then hoping you get a dumb, I don't want to say this room is dumb, but like, you know, people making choices on teams that might not even make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's look at uh, a few things here. I think we can sit on quarterback for now, or, you know, one option would be, so one play that I kind of like if we're thinking of an NFC team without the buy, we could do like a Debo George Kittle uh Ooh, double tap here. Yeah, I like I'm that. just gonna put Debo for now. Um, but to me, that's probably one of the more high ceiling plays and it helps us get out of the of the wild card round. Yeah, the thing for me is like because we did go so heavy on Niners last time out that I feel like I would have gone different this time, but I like I think. <laughs> Based on the draft value, I agree that that's a logical move. Yeah, let's do that. So now we're now we're concentrated on Green Bay, San Francisco. Our AFC stuff is a little more wonky um, as far as if we're going to do like a four three three build or if we want to do like a four two two build. Also, I, yeah, go ahead. Ceh, the reason you're not taking him is the shoulder concerns, the shoulder slash collarbone concerns. Yeah. I, and I also like, I'm trying to in general. Um, and I talked about this with John and it kind of crystallized for me where you kind of either want, um, a bell cow back or the back on the team you're playing to get to the Super Bowl. Um, and so with CEH, we don't have access to Mahomes. There's uncertainty about his health. Um, we're not, we're probably not making a big bet on the chiefs in this build. So that one just wasn't quite as uh, as exciting to me. But okay. we're going to have to think through our quarterback strategy. Um, I do think, obviously, Tannehill um, makes sense here. We could, also, we could also work on if we want to play the Bengals. So they're now up to a 79% chance. We could do like a Burrow-Higgins um, Tight yeah, I mean, I don't mind Burrow. Here. I think he's got the feel of a guy who could have a hot hand down the stretch and can also single-handedly decide the games, which I think that's some value for me in a best ball. Yeah. Um, let's let's give that a crack here. Okay. And I'm just checking the rest of this. So the only other kind of issue with the, the Burrow-Higgins is just knowing then who else I think we probably try to toss Boyd into this as a third pass catcher for, for the Bengals. I, I think that's perfectly fair. I mean, like it's, you're getting a 66% chance. I feel like to get that burrow ceiling with Higgins and Boyd and it'd be nice to get Jamar chase, but I think the, we couldn't get there with the price tag. Yeah. Jamar chase, uh, went just a few, uh, picks before us here. 
And the team who did snipe us on, who took the Henry early, also loading up on the Packers and then now pivoting to a backdoor charger stack as well. So like just talking through, so we have three more picks. We do like right now we're playing for basically a Cincinnati green Bay super bowl, but we need to, we need to beef up. Um, actually, yeah, we could, we could actually, it might actually make sense for us to play this scenario as a San Francisco Cincinnati Super Bowl because I think it's going to be easier for us to add San Francisco options we like more than Green Bay options honestly. I think that'd be a very fun Super Bowl. I think the league would jump off of a bridge if that was the <laughs> result of all of this. That's the thing about these is you do really have to separate yourself from what you actually think is going to happen and you're like what if the random you know improbable thing does happen can I take advantage of it with this lineup? So when I'm sitting here looking at this and I see Elijah Mitchell, um, he seems like a really nice add to our, our San Francisco core. Yeah. And Eric saying that the Niners apparently have a 69% chance. Obviously it's going to be different depending on the playoff, uh, win probabilities we're looking on out there. Uh, but he says he's got them to miss the playoffs. I, I, I like the Niners a lot. I did that game this week felt like it was more important than it just, just kind of got lost in the holiday shuffle, but like they are running bad at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, I'm just making, I'm trying to see what other, um, options here. I don't like doing two quarterback teams in general. Um, Hmm. I'm going to do, I'm going to do Eli Mitchell here because there's another couple people have already taken Mixon and, um, Chase. I think we should lock up Tyler Boyd here because then the Bengals, there's basically no one intriguing after, after Boyd. Yeah, maybe a, a last round Uzoma. He has shown yeah. some propensity for a ceiling. So now we have uh, a Cincinnati double stack here, and we have uh, two Green Bay, three San Francisco. Um, so I I like our, our stuff here. I think we could probably um, try that kind of play that we were mentioning with like a Don to Foreman or go to another uh, 49ers and play for a 49ers Bengals uh, Super Bowl. I think the, like I think you would be a nice pick. Oh yeah. Yeah. I I could see the logic there and West coast. Jim asking a question that I think I would have to you. How many players of different teams would you draft in these best balls like four max or is there not a hard number to me? Four would be the max. Like if I did a four, two, 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 um, you know, say you load up on four, you know, pa- uh, Packers, uh, and then you go like three teams of two from the AFC, just being like a Packers Super Bowl against any of these combos. Um, but I, uh, I, I don't think I would want to do more than four. If your goal is to get first, I think there are viable strategies. If your goal is just to emerge from the wild card round, I don't think it's the best use of your capital and kind of ROI to play it basically as like a double up where you'd basically have no first place win equity. Cause you wouldn't be concentrated on super bowl matchups, but you could probably build some monster teams to get out of the wild card round. But yeah, if you're trying to win first, I think you want to have, you know, at least six guys going in the super bowl. So you can have, you know, that starting lineup plus a little wiggle room to, to hit the nuts. And the, so you're saying for the four two 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 stacks, you would be the four would be the team you think is going to win the Super Bowl, ideally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, not it. It doesn't even necessarily have to be win, but just make it 
to the Super Bowl, right? Like you, mm-hmm. you have to get your four to the Super Bowl because otherwise you're, if they're all from just that one right, conference, right. then you, you would be uh, empty there. Where's our team we just drafted. And then also like conference splits, like the four, two, 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 would you want only one of the teams, the twos to be an AFC team or like an opposite conference team? I think in a perfect world, I like playing it as, you know, one team dominant on one conference. And then you're kind of picking, you know, a lot of high upside sets of two from the other. Um, I think that would be my preferred. This one, we ended up having a little bit weird of a, of a draft in that we did do the one-off uh, AJ Brown, but I also don't think that's bad. Um, maybe it's not quite perfectly optimal, but you know, there's scenarios where, you know, you get a 30 point game, even in a loss from AJ Brown that helps you advance out of the first round. And then you're, you're concentrated around your, your Cincy, San Francisco, Green Bay. So this isn't my like perfect construction, but I think the team is, is still built, um, to be successful with a, with a Cincy San Francisco Super Bowl match. And I know you posted Eric's chat real fast, but is two running backs enough, especially with no Jones week one. Do you have any thoughts that you want to give to him on that? Yeah. I mean, again, like it's kind of the same thing with full season long best ball drafts. It's like, or season long drafts, you're drafting as if you are right. Every pick you made, it's like, okay, I hit the home run. So in this one, we drafted as if Elijah Mitchell comes back this week, takes over the 49ers backfield and is back to being a bell cow. So in that scenario where they're playing, you know, wild card weekend, uh, Elijah Mitchell is going to ball out for us um, and be all we need to kind of advance from that first round. And then um, we clearly need, the reason this is nice is because we then are, can basically get San Francisco or Green Bay to the Super Bowl to pair with Cincy. We absolutely have to get Cincy because that's our only quarterback. But if mm. we get San Francisco, we're fine because we have, you know, four players. And if we get Green Bay, we have our our running back as well. The Green Bay one would be a lot thinner, but we would still be able to trot out Burrow, Aaron Jones, Adams, Higgins, and Boyd as a as a Super Bowl pairing. Got it. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, so I think it's interesting. And then tell people in the stream with buying fours again tomorrow, because I think if you're watching this one and hanging out with us and it seems like the numbers are going up, it's probably worth watching that stream and getting a better idea on the 30-mile view of strategy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're going to schedule it. It'll be either 2.30 or 3 p.m. tomorrow, Eastern time. Um, I'll uh, try to post it on Twitter and the Discord. Um, but yeah, keep an eye out for that. We're also going to be doing um, some giveaways. Uh, Bimefor did a thing on Twitter for people who donated to animal shelters. You get entered to win some giveaways. We're going to give some stuff away from my store. And uh, he also is tossing in um, an entry into the Big Mitten is a $250 entry on underdog and some other gauntlet in mitten entry. So yeah, it'll be a fun time tomorrow. Yeah. Buying for one of the good ones out there for these kind of takes, uh, not so much so for Josh Reynolds based takes, but that's neither here nor there. It's a <laughs> callback to anybody's hung with us for the last month or so. But Pete, what are your final plugs here? Of course, people should be following you at Peter Overset. They should be following me at Chris Spags and they should be following at splash play pod and giving them five stars, giving them, giving us five stars and a review on Apple podcasts. If you can help us out a bunch, especially heading into a new year, uh, Pete, anything else you want to say here or plug? No, I'll be back, uh, tonight around 7:40 eastern time to do a showdown cram and we will see how much ian book we can get into our lives ian book hopefully he comes through today for all 
of us out there. And we'll be back on Thursday doing our special New Year's special. Uh, we'll be having some drinks, having a good time. How many drinks? We'll find out on Thursday. But tune in 2.30 Eastern time to come see then. Much better than 11.30 Pacific time would have been for me where I just hammered out, out, out of my fucking board <laughs> at, on the day before New Year's Eve. Uh, but we appreciate you guys being here. And, of course, we'll see you guys then. So enjoy. Good luck. Thank <music> you.